I need that verse for you, retire too. Jumping all the obstacles, I'm way too wavy. Said I would lose, but you way too crazy. Pick and choose, either fame or the money. Fame will make you crazy, and the money I make you bad bitches say thank you, baby. You're welcome. We are back. The sequel. The sequel. Yeah, much sooner than expected. Well, but that's a good thing. People said it was our best episode ever last time. So. That's because you got mad. Uh, I, I got hot takey. Yeah. Well, Actually, no, no, no. It was no, really hot takey. No, no, no. I had the hot take. You delivered take, the hot take, yeah. But you were just on a roll with the recruiting cliche power rankings which we have we have a good topic this week too to follow that up but it's, it's you were, not as good as last week. i just didn't want to get in your way like i i started the episode describing the panic train that was gaining steam and you're strapped to the tracks and here we come to run you over while you're like stop 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 right. you were the train by the end of the episode there was no stopping i you. got going and it was all down i mean i was just chugging downhill yeah like if i ever got in your way so it's toast no i mean it was great because when you can provide substance like that and stories behind it i think people love it but i don't do that often okay so. now you're slowing down because you're sounding reasonable and measured and not out of your mind. Let's get hot takey. All right. No, I've got nothing. Okay. Well, we don't have anything big this week, but there was enough small stuff that added up that we said, okay, let's reconvene. Let's do another episode. Uh, So as we usually do, quick rundown. So all the freshmen have arrived on campus. Their heights and weights are posted on the site. Uh, I ran a story earlier this week talking about the changes you've seen in the defensive line. Spoiler alert, the defensive line, the veterans at least, have gained 147 pounds since the start of spring ball. Yeah. We'll get into what that means more. Um, two months out, you know, July 1st, it'll be away Speaking from kickoff. Speaking of content season, we're leading with freshmen and weight changes on the roster. So yeah, if, if yeah. you're still with us, thank you. But we're going to get to the fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, big question in between that and the fun stuff. Two months out, this is something I'm going to ask when we go speak with players at Live for Life this weekend. Right. What are two things outside of the normal, we have to get stronger, be more together, get our fundamentals down, that Penn State must accomplish in the next two months before they kick off? Right. Like there are, there are question marks. What do you need to address most? Uh, beyond that, stupid Penn State power rankings, the topic I alluded to earlier. We go from recruiting cliches to tailgating mistakes. Nine things you can't do, you shouldn't do, you would never do if you wanted to have a good time and made sure everybody else did. All right. This is a step back from last week. Yeah. Well, it's a step step away from your realm a little bit more. I don't have the fury that I had last week. Okay. Maybe next week we'll rank facilities and I'll get back on it. (laughs) People seem to love that. Uh, Real recruiting news. It's Michigan State week on the site. And then we get into the mailbag, which is kind of like a – a mixed mailbag. It's kind of a tied in. Mash, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tied to all of our earlier segments, which really worked out and was totally coincidental and not planned by us. The freshmen are here. Uh, big class. By the way, uh, interesting stat I looked up the other day. James Franklin still has yet to have a guy not qualify, which is pretty remarkable when you look across the country at, at, at the classes and bouncing back guys to prep school and junior college and everything. Of course, they didn't sign uh, Shaquan Anderson Butts last year, who probably wouldn't have qualified or didn't qualify. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you look all over the place. I think Damian Barber is probably the closest. Tyrell yes. Chavis uh, was was really close as well. But I mean, that's that's something you can hang your hat on. I mean, they've brought in a lot of guys that have stuck and. and you know, roster turnover being what it is, it happens. But I mean, to, to get everyone to campus is the first step, and they've they've done that exceptionally well. Damian Barber, now that I think about it, missed all the training camp last year. Like yeah. He arrived as a regular student. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's a big transition for him coming into summer. Even though you know you've been through the rigors of the winter workouts, it's just it's an entirely different part of the year and a competition and a fervor to it under the sun. Yeah, they have that 105 man roster that opens up when when everybody arrives for school, and then you can add people then. But yeah, if you can't get them in then, I mean, you're you're starting out behind the eight ball. And to his credit, I mean, he was he was 
trending to be a defensive tackle anyway, so he wasn't going to play last year regardless. I mean, if he showed up in June, he wasn't playing last year. But Yeah. Yeah, so – but uh, I think the Chavis one's probably more remarkable because he didn't have a red shirt year. He, he showed up – I'm not sure what the date was, but he showed up partway through camp or in August or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's a pretty – it's a pretty remarkable accomplishment when you think about just looking across the countries, how many guys bounce back and all that kind of stuff. So that I thought that was cool. Um, but yeah, sticking with freshmen in defensive line, uh, Jason Owe stuck out to you. You dropped this on the message boards. You see some of these kids in and around camp. Whiteout camp was last weekend. Yeah. And he looks like he was probably ready to go a year ago, which obviously isn't true. But man, is he put together. He's he's something, man. I mean, he's he, he's probably in terms of testing and, and, you know, he's not there as a football player yet, but he's probably the biggest physical freak to come to the program since Saquon. And you don't throw that around very much. Micah lightly. Parsons came in Micah just Parsons a few months came, ago. Micah is a tremendous football player. He's not going to test off the charts in terms of, you know, he's not going to run a 4-4 or 4-3-40 or anything like that. Um, but physical, just like straight, if you did a combine right now, Jason Awe would probably be the guy that, you know, would stand out the most among anybody on campus right now, which was, is saying something. I mean, they got some freaks on this team, but right. that's pretty crazy. What was his uh, spark score? Do you remember off the top of your head? I don't remember, but he ran. I remember at camp last year, uh, at Penn State's camp last year, he ran in the 4-4s, like 4-4-5 or something like that. Had a ridiculous vertical. And, um, you know, the strength-wise, he's, he's getting better. If you saw, I mean, if you, if you even just saw the photos on the site, I mean, he just, he looks ready to go. It looks like he's flexing all the time, which is, you know, a good thing. And he's, I think he's 246 pounds, 247 pounds or something like that on the new roster. So it really interesting to see what he can do. And, and last week we were talking about the redshirt rules and I talked about Jesse Lukita and maybe a couple other guys, but I think Jason Alway could probably benefit from this more than anything. I mean, you want to get his feet wet, you want to throw him out there, but you don't want to get him out there for one or two games and then waste an entire year. So right. it's a great year for, for that redshirt rule to come through for a guy like Jason Alway. Uh, real quick, other guys that stuck out to you. Again, you didn't get to see everybody. There's only so much stock you can put into these observations from camp there in T-shirts Oh, that's and shorts. Not true. We can talk There's, about that all day. Okay. But, uh, I guess it is June. But yeah. who else do you see? I like Rasheed Walker a lot. And, I, and this is nothing new. I've liked him as a player. You know, he, he looks good. Uh, just a, a prototypical tackle. And But uh, Rasheed Walker just looks like a future player to me. Uh, I have Daniel Joseph lit, written down here, but it's Daniel George, uh, the wide receiver. He's about 210 pounds. He's really put together. Uh, I'm not sure where he's at in terms of, you know, root running and all that kind of stuff to, to, to actually get onto the field. But as an athlete, he, I think he looks phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. Well, he was pretty polished coming out of high school as far as I remember looking at his film. Like, yeah. It's not that something you would say – this is college ready, but from certain other prospects you look at, you go, well, he's, he's a plus. When you in come in at six two two ten as a wide receiver, I mean, you're, you're going to be a physical guy. I mean, you're going to be looked at as a physical guy anyway. So I'm really interested to see what, what steps he can take and see how, how David Corley can coach him up. You're a little taller than that. I'm not going to assume your weight. Would people call you physical guy? I wish I was out of high school. I wish I was two ten. Uh, I was not two ten coming out of high school. I'm not two ten now. I've, I've sort of, you know, blown right past that. So more physical guy or less physical guy? Less physical guy. I okay, was a, it was a receiver and uh, you know part time linebacker and and long snapper. Oh. Don't forget it. So, Ooh, yeah. So that's why that's why I always turn to the long snappers, man. Were you always Love first it. down on punt team? I was first out on punt team. Yeah, yeah like you, you're getting to wherever. Yes. Okay. Yeah, only uh, unsportsmanlike I ever picked up. Some dude hit me with his with with my helmet down or with my head down, which is a penalty. And they didn't throw it. I came up and I swung at him, and wow. I didn't get tossed, but it was. Uh, Do you connect? Uh, I got him in the helmet, which is a stupid thing. To right. Do. Yeah. Who swings in helmets? This guy apparently. But uh, 
No, not I mean, the first. Won't be the last. But man, I always go like, "What are you? What are you doing?" Yeah. Like, in practice, in games, everyone's aware. Everyone has metal. Everyone's got some just sort of protection their head. That, that's hard, and it hurts when you hit it with your hand. I didn't feel it. That's I a mean, case for punching anyone in the face. Frankly, like yeah. if you've ever been in a fight, oh, it's like tell if you, you watch if you watch yeah. these scrums and you see a guy with his helmet off, you're like, "What? What are you doing, dude?" Right. Like the people who have it right, although this is savage and wrong, and never do this, are the people swinging their helmets. Yes. Like, forget your hands. Anyway, uh, don't grab do that. someone else's don't helmet. Don't do that at home. Keep on the your field helmet everywhere. on. Grab someone else's helmet and start swinging. You win the fight. Whatever. So, <laughs> all uh, right. Fighting tips from the Lions twenty four seven podcast. Yeah. Um, just wrapping up again. So it's very surface level impressions from the weekend, guys. You saw other things you're hearing, and then we'll get to the weight changes because this is real. It's big, as I said, one hundred fifty pounds added to that D line. And the D line's a question, but uh, yeah, I'm curious about Ricky Slate. I mean, he's he's we know he's a small guy. He's been you know five nine one eighty five. I think he was listed probably as high as one ninety one ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you wonder what his role is going to be this year. I mean, is he a redshirt guy? Is he a guy that, uh, you know, you, you can play in situate? I mean, we know what he can do with the football in his hand. We know his talent as a running back. He's not going to be an inside guy right away. Obviously, you're not going to ask him to be an inside no, guy right away. you don't need to. So, um, you know, do, do you use him to get those uh, circumstantial touches or whatnot? Um, yeah, I, I still think you do, but I'm just curious how much weight he can put on before the season. What, what what's going to happen when he gets into the nutrition program? Because he's, he's got to get bigger eventually, and I don't think there's uh, there's any question about that. Okay, all right. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Aeneas Hawkins is over 290 pounds. I, you know, just looking at him, putting him beside Judge Culpepper and and PJ Mustafer. Uh, you know, Hawkins had that weight change, um, and, and he had the injury, the foot injury that cost him his entire senior season. You just wonder if it's all good weight, and you wonder if he's, he's going to have to go down and come up like some of those other guys. I, mean, I don't see him playing as a freshman. No, certain redshirt candidate. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, that's one of those curious question marks that I have as well. So um, we'll go with that, and then we'll go back to Cul- Judge Culpepper. Does he play this season? I think he was up to what two ninety five or two ninety six or something on mm-hmm. the new roster. His defensive end days are behind him. His and nature took over for him. It took over for Nick Tarburton, who I think is 256 or something right now. Um, that's what you know we've been saying probably since they started being recruited. Um, Culpepper is 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 he the guy that can give you a couple snaps off the bench? He's he's physical. He's got a high motor. He can he can get it done. Um, you know, Careful they, here. We're getting close we're, to the old cliches. So many cliches. <laughs> yeah, um, he could play wide receiver for the Patriots if he needed to. There we go. Um, but no, I mean he's a he's a question. It's sort of a question mark in terms of is he on that fence? Is he a yellow light? Is he a guy that you know you play a couple games and, and then you pull back? I don't know. I uh, Haven't seen him in practice, but I think you know size wise. That's a tremendously pleasant surprise for James Franklin. Okay, size wise, Robert Windsor is very different than we last saw him Uh, per the latest roster, which I will preface this next discussion. And as I did in the piece that I referenced earlier with a couple of facts, Uh, programs are known to embellish heights and weights for players. Sometimes it's upon request, usually for players who are at one extreme or the other too small, too big. You want to look somewhere closer to the middle. If, the numbers for Robert Windsor are accurate. He has gained 23 pounds since about the end of last season, beginning of spring ball, to where we stand here at the end of June. Now, that's obviously understandable. He's going to be bumped up to the starting one technique, otherwise known as the nose tackle. Your job is hold up the point of attack. Don't move. That's better done. And get none of the glory. When you are now 304 pounds. <laughs> right. Right. Now, he can mount between one and three. They'll have those guys shift over and you know exchange responsibilities. It's not so different that they're coached differently. Um, but that that's noticeable because now Robert Windsor is one of five 300-pound defensive linemen Penn State has. At the start of spring ball, they had one. Right. 
And, and Windsor is a guy that he's been banged up at times, so I think they probably took a little bit of weight off of him, got him a little bit healthier, and then you know that sort of came back. I mean, he's a massive kid. If you stand beside him, he's just he's huge. He's I a corn fed Wisconsin boy, as Evan Schwan oh, coined about geez. a year and a half ago. Jeez, going back to the stereotypes. A year though. and a half. No, he's just big dude from Wisconsin. He is a big dude from Wisconsin. He can fill up a lot of space. What were you thinking of? I don't know. It's just a oh, corn fed, yeah. whatever. Wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> Call him home. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where I think he just takes up so much base and, and you need him healthy, first and foremost. Yes. That's the big thing. So if they took weight off to you know get pressure off his knees or whatever, which is if he's far from the first person that that's ever happened to, then I think that's the right decision. Now he's up over 300. I thought he was going to have to be over 300, 305 uh, going into the season. He looks on that track. Right. And again, you lose weight over the course of the season. You lose weight over the course of the day. I mean, that's right. the yeah. thing. Like, that's the other – yeah, I forgot to mention. What are the odds this guy's at 304 pounds tomorrow? I mean, it's just uh, – he, he can lose a couple pounds during – you know, he can gain a couple pounds during the day. He can lose it during a workout or whatnot. So they're just kind of ballparking right here. Yeah, I put that at 10 to 15 pounds during a single workout or practice in the summer heat. I mean, that happens all the time across the country for linemen. I got to get outside and work out. Yeah, you should. Well, it's about the uh, strapping on the helmet, as we uh, said. Okay. Uh, don't start swinging it around. And then the pads and then the jersey and everything. And um, he's up 23 pounds. Elsewhere, you look, Antonio Shelland, another one of those new 300-pound club members. Right. He's at 308 per the new listed roster. Again, embellished sometimes. Jordan Miner, perfect example. Okay. He's an incoming freshman, listed at 180. You know, Greg Pickle, our friend over at Penn Live, publishes, like, okay, here are the freshman heights and weights. Jordan Miner goes, I'm actually 187. Yeah. Like, seven pounds is a significant difference. Uh, wh- who's to say who's right there? It doesn't really matter probably at the end of the day, but take this all with a grain of salt. I'll go with Jordan, but I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's so funny. I mean, and that's the difference between the, I mean, you can lose weight, gain weight, whatever, but Penn State puts those official ones out and that's what we're going to go with. So. Right. So, uh, Robert, uh, but you mentioned Shelton. Shelton, yes. I think, noticeably bigger. I mean, okay. you look at him, um, he's carrying a little bit more weight and, and it shows, and I don't think it's, it's bad weight or anything like that, but I think it's indicative of the role that he has to play. He's probably going to be the third defensive tackle. He can mm-hmm. play one or three. Um, you know, you're going to have to move him around a little bit, uh, to get Givens, to get, uh, uh to get Windsor some blow, uh, you know, some, some, some time on the bench. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, we talked about Shelton before, and it's about playing off Hansard a little bit. I think Hansard's a, a one technique all the way. Shelton's probably a one technique too, but you're going to need him to play three as well. So, I mean, I think that uh, that that's a good change for him. Okay. So now the five 300-pounders that I've mentioned a few times already. You've got Windsor. You've got Shelton. You've got Fred Hansard. You've got P.J. Mustafer. And there's one more that's escaping me right now. Still in that mix. We'll get back to him. Okay. But the point is, there's a lot of added weight in the middle. Obviously, it's another defensive tackle. Yeah. But you've got defensive ends that are adding significant weight, too. Shaka Tony. Yeah, he's the first person that you look to on the roster every yeah. time for weight. Up 17 pounds to 241. I think he's been listed as low as 197 and now as high as 241. So, you know, he's somewhere in that 40 four pound range or whatever. But yeah, I mean the the added size for Shaka and I don't think it changes what he is as a player. I don't know that he's going to be a three down guy anytime soon, especially this year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's uh, any, any added size that can come from him, from him is good. He can, he can get in there and play a couple different roles for them. He can play against the run. Ellison you know, Jordan. Ellison Jordan. Cause I knew it was killing him. That yeah. one surprised me. I mean, he's, he's yeah. probably he's six foot with, uh, with shoes guy. on. Um, and he's also coming through an injury. So that one surprised me a little bit. Um, but yeah, 
go back to Shaka Tony. Uh, yeah, I mean, the sort of the bigger, the better for him. Um, you want him to develop into a three down guy. I don't think he's there yet. I don't think you need him to be there yet with, uh, with Miller and Buckholz and Simmons and Gross Matos, uh, there as well. So, I mean, it, it's a good change. I want to see how explosive he is because I don't think he's losing that explosiveness, that sort of, uh, you know, that, that quick twitch that he is, is right. best at. And I know you're exceedingly high on him as a pass rusher. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, uh, that's good weight, I think. Yeah. Kevin Givens added, you know, six to eight pounds. Other guys in that category of Shane Simmons. Simmons, Eter Gross Matos, Ryan Buckholz lost six pounds. This goes in line with what he told us in the spring that, you know, he's sticking at defensive end. He's looking to get faster. Not going to see him kick inside to three technique during obvious passing situations. I, I just, I don't believe that. Just, well, I, we'll see. I, I mean, they, they have to be ready to change plans yeah. as happens every single season. Yeah, and it's not like you're a traditional, you know, it's not like you're going to be a traditional three tech. I mean, that's a shift that can happen right, right. for the snap. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. So, yeah. But if, if we don't see it, I'll be surprised. And you mentioned earlier, we were talking off off the air, that they didn't really do that all that often. I no. mean, it's not it's not the constant thing that, that, that you know, we've grown accustomed to believe that it's happening all the time. Right. I think it's a function of, you know, the, their preference scheme-wise is you, you roll out four down uh, base scheme in first and second. If you keep that on third, it, it just means less install. Yeah. Because, again, you're working from the same structure up front, and it doesn't matter what you do with the back seven. Like, the guy up front are going to do the same things. Now, they alleviated some of the pressure when they lost defensive tackles a year ago by going more 3-3-5, and I think you'll continue to see that this season because, right. again, Buck Holt is not – yeah, you got to get the Windsor inside. off the field. I mean, right. It now doesn't you, really do much for you on third down. Right. So you get Windsor off the field. I think you introduce more of your strength at cornerback, where, again, Lamont Wade is playing this kind of hybrid safety nickel for them right now. I think they're going to figure that out over the course of camp. But either way, if you're bringing a third corner on, that's going to be Tree Castro Fields if they want to kick John Reed inside. Right. And, you, you again, you introduce more of your strengths on the field. They have to get there. And the way you get there, of course, is stopping the run of first and second down, which, to me, we go in through all the individuals. That's great. Who's added Wade who hasn't the big picture you know thing for me is this is a tacit admission that they know this could potentially be a weakness for them yeah that running defense that you've taken for granted the last four years because Brent Pry and before him Bob Shoup have done a very good job of this and it's not strictly in the defensive line but it starts there mm-hmm. and the linebackers they're going to get tested they're going to get tested early and often right up the gut and they've got to be ready to to sustain that wear and tear over the course of an entire season yeah and some of their best teams have had more experience I mean we, we go back to Austin Johnson even I mean just, God, he was a stud he was fantastic he was back on campus this weekend at the White End I saw that yeah but uh I mean, you, you you want experience up there. You, you really don't have it. I mean, Gibbons has played a bunch. Windsor has played a bunch in a, as a reserve. I think there's a lot of pressure on Antonio Shelton right now, um, and I'm I'm really curious to see how he's going to handle that. Um, you know, he wasn't a world beater coming out of high school or anything like that, but you you need him to get you positive reps. And you know, he's, if it doesn't happen, do you go to PJ Mustafer? Do you go to Culpepper, uh, Fred Hanser? You know, a yeah. lot of those young guys are in there that have talent, just not not a lot of experience. Okay, so. As I said, two months out, I'm going to ask this of a bunch of players probably right about it. We miss Mac Hippenhammer. Oh, that's right. We have one. <laughs> we have one guy that's not a defensive lineman, which is not intentional. It's just the, if you go by, if you go think by the thing you wrote the other day, you yeah. see who pops out and in weight gain. Hippenhammer is one of the uh, the only skill guys that really you know just sort of like oh okay he's up 15 pounds to 185. We'll, we'll see if that helps him break into the rotation. Um, but uh, we we can segue into the next uh, two months out. Well, now that we're here in the land of Mac Hippenhammer, how? How much of that you think is sunflower seeds just sitting in the dugout from the spring? Wow, that's a good question. Yeah, baseball weight. We said there's that? a little salt in there, kind of keeps more of your water in. Okay, you know, we can go with that. I'm not trying to spread rumors. Matt Kippenhammer has bad weight because he, he, from all that I can see, had a 
Matt Kiffenhammer is 185 pounds. Where's he going to get the bad weight? This is like last year when we were talking about Brandon Polk's bad weight. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, Matt Kiffenhammer had a very good spring. That's what I was going to say. Okay. They, they trusted him at the Z with the yeah. first team. That's going to change, of course, with, uh, no, excuse me, the X. He played X and Z. He played uh, a lot. I mean, yeah, they, they Johnson. Juwan Johnson. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, back to my now ruined transition. Uh, but Matt Kiffenhammer, it wasn't that great. Shout out. Plus 15 pounds. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to do that, but you can. Um, two months out. Two things they've got to do. Uh, is defensive tackle one of them? And we've, we've hit upon this so many times. I've gone through that sentence many times. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, up the middle of that defense is, I mean, you, you don't have to settle on defensive tackle, but I, I think it's going to be the most glaring thing to look at. You got to get positive reps from those young guys. Um, you got to be able to handle, you know, they're going to see some power running teams uh, early in the schedule. Uh, Pitt's going to try and run it at them, I think, you know, pretty regularly. So that'll be a nice test right off the bat. And that's that's one thing you have to, to, to settle down. Okay. Next thing. Receivers. And I talked about this before. I'm I'm not completely sold on where Penn State is at receiver right now. I know they've got some good ones. Jawan Johnson, I think, can be great. I think uh, DeAndre Tompkins very good as well. Um, but from there, it's just a lot of inexperience. Uh, KJ Hamler, Brandon Polk has who's played a bunch of football, but you know not as a not as a guy that you lean on a starter or anything like that. Uh, Justin Shorter, can he be that guy? Mac Hip and Hammer, can he break into the rotation? So I think there's there's a lot more questions than we probably you know give them credit for. I mean, this is just uh, a situation where I think it can work itself out. I think there's enough talent to do so. I'm just, you know, kind of wary about that situation right now. I think that's fair too, because I think we overestimate, you know, the stability there from a depth standpoint, because you only quote unquote lost Deshaun Hamilton from a starter standpoint a year ago. But let's say you lose one of those starters to injury. Let's say it's Juwan Johnson. There's not a whole lot there. For, you say that's Juwan Johnson. I'm not, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's already happened. So okay. we'll just uh, chalk it up to, you know, something flaring back up uh, or not. All the best health to you, Juwan. Digging a hole for yourself. Well, listen, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, if he goes down, that's going to ruin part of my World Cup team that we're going to unveil in the mailbag. Ooh. Hello. All right. Stay tuned. Okay. Uh, but no, Juwan goes down. There's no one, in my opinion, depending on what Justin Shorter does, that scares you. If you're a defensive coordinator, you look at this roster, DeAndre Tompkins is very fast. KJ Hamler's yet to prove himself. He's electric with the ball. But if you're a little bit more physical with him, if he's playing you know, uh, across the middle within that five yards, like – could you be okay? The scariest thing about the receivers is Trace McSorley's feet, I think. You know, his ability to buy time, I think he's behind a little bit better offensive line this year. So his oh, ability sure. to buy time and, you know, maybe, you know, cause an impromptu deep root by Tompkins or something like that, I think that's probably the most dangerous thing right now. If you're if you're a defensive coordinator, I think you can prepare for what they have, um, you know, what Penn State has. But at the same time, I mean, you, you can't, pre- you know, can't prepare for the, uh, I guess, the unknown. I mean, McSorley, when he scrambles, has been good. He's been good in the pocket too. Mm-hmm. But when he scrambles, we saw it with uh, Mike Kosicki a year ago. I mean, just that that improvisation is one of the best parts of his game. Yeah, I, I'm going to piggyback off of the receivers' point. That's my number two. My number one is not position specific, more player, and it's what's the plan with Mike Parsons? Because you you've talked about this. I think you're the only person I've heard to say, man, just much more of a defensive end, and that might be fair. And they've got depth there; they don't really need him. Right. And the, the plan is entirely linebacker. Now, the easy route here is to say you just got to figure out middle linebacker. I don't think it's that simple because I think over the course of the year, you're going to see multiple people play that position. Yeah. And ultimately for Penn State is do you trust him from a playbook standpoint to make checks, make calls, recognize offenses enough to say you can assume that responsibility at some point in the year? Is that where you want him long term? Or is maybe will linebacker position, which does uh, appreciable 
amount of blitzing, more so than the Mike spot. Right. Is that where he is? Because, again, it, it's a five-star kid who's obviously not going to redshirt. A different kind of athlete that you want there in the field. But as it stands now today, and I, I've talked about this with a few other people and heard most of the same things, if they're unveiling linebackers, it's going to be Cam Brown at Sam, Jan Johnson in the middle, and then Cole Farmer at Will. So who potentially loses their job? And if Micah doesn't totally beat one of them out, then, of course, they are in that spot. But then what do you do with him? Yeah, that's a good question because I think the cross training is is where the answer lies in that. But I don't know, you know, is Cam Brown able to play the mic? The thing I like about Micah Parsons at linebacker is his his instincts are getting the quarterback. I mean, he's got defensive end instincts. He has to learn to be a linebacker, um, which is fine. I mean, you can do that. It might take a little bit more time, but um, you put him at will. You, you blitz him. I think that's where you get the the most value out of him. Right yeah, now. I think they'll go in with a number of different contingency plans. Camp goes exceedingly well. It goes pretty well. There's you know. Competition all the way to the end, and then go with one of those plans. I mean, they they prepare what their travel is for every single possible bowl game, which is an entirely separate department. But you can tell the level of detail and attention right. goes into everything, and especially if something is important. But yeah, I'm as right their there. biggest recruit, he's like, going to play. What's the plan with him? Yeah, he's going to play. Just what do you do with him? I mean, that's uh, it's a good problem to have, but it's still you know you're going to get the most out of it. Yeah. So. You know, it's a bad problem to have. What's that? When you are outside Beaver Stadium on a beautiful Saturday morning or afternoon, you're having a couple beers, burgers or chicken are on the grill, maybe a steak, whiskey in your system, whatever's going on. And here comes just this football out of the sky that just bonks you straight in the forehead. <laughs> that happened a few times last year. Because there, yeah, kid you not, there are some seven-year-old kids who, God bless them, we were all there once or twice before, uh, hopefully not with whiskey in their system, but they're, they're, they're <laughs> slinging football around and they just had the dexterity and the accuracy the clarity, of, of a seven-year-old. <laughs> and that's great. But for me, one of the biggest tailgating mistakes as we unveiled the start of our stupid Penn State power rankings this week are playing catch if you're bad at it. Yeah. Now, again, totally excuse the, we'll say, up to nine-year-olds. Like if you're 10, you should know better. Let's not – go with totally here because that then it's on the parents it's not on the kid okay yeah. but just find some more open space yeah. let's not have it where you might have a little bit of pigskin in your chili all of a sudden because little steve over here just thought it'd be funny to throw a sidearm for once and we all know how that goes <laughs> steve steve wilfong doesn't hasn't been to our tailgate yet but he, he's a little guy so, um <laughs> you thought he was like six three or something I like love that. like bringing this up i don't yeah, know I I do. don't, but anyway. it's it's he's got a very good avatar yeah i mean the funny like, story though we'll flip this on you your first avatar when i got hired i thought the reverse of you oh you yeah. look yeah sure i was like wow this guy's gonna be jake pinnegar thought i was shorter like than me five eight yeah and i walked by him and i'm probably two inches taller than him and it's just like oh I didn't did not realize. The what's little, up down there, Jake? What's, what's up, little recruiting nerd? Oh, you're six four. Okay, yeah, no, uh, uh, totally had me fooled. No, but a ton of dents, and that's the thing. I mean, when, when you're playing with a when you're yeah, a this, nerf ball, it's something. But there's been a lot of spills, a lot of dents, and stuff like that. I mean, it's you gotta you gotta know what you're doing there. When you're tailgating, play catch. That's great. I always do. Yeah. But just either be better at it or give yourself some space. Just be oh, better oh, seven-year-old yeah. kids. <laughs> however, much, however much space you need. Yeah. Um, we skip one, though. Number nine. We've got nine mistakes here. Okay. And I you know, fell down this rabbit hole the other day. And it was mostly preparing for the segment of Bill's fans and their tailgates in Buffalo. Yeah. Because Bill's Mafia is 
bleeding insane. Yeah. And you give him a lot of credit because if you're going to go out and your team's going to be bad every single year, and it's you're going to snow you for might, most of the right, games. And yeah. you live there. You might as well enjoy those sweet few hours before kickoff and afterward. They do. However, <laughs> do not go out of your way to imitate that because these people catch themselves on fire. They body slam tables. They body slam one another. And obviously they've been experienced at it to where they keep on going. Right. But man. That would. There were a lot of copycats last in the playoffs last year. This is like PhD it's, level. It's a, it's a result, you know, the, the bar stool and the Instagram and all that mm. kind of stuff, where you, you know, you see how hard you can go and how many tables you can jump through. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, just, just you'll be okay. Not yeah, doing it. yeah. You play don't some, need to be that famous. Play some pong. Play some cornhole. Throw. Play some catch if you're good. All right. Number seven. Uh, don't bring deviled eggs. Okay. I, I, this I'm, is I'm, more. I'm on board with it. You said your mom makes great deviled eggs. I, I've heard. I, okay. I mean, also, I don't know if there's like a wide range of recipes for deviled eggs. Like they seem like a very basic kind of common. They're eggs. They're deviled, and everyone does them the same. All right. Now, of course, we're going to get tweets and responses of, "Oh no, you can do them all different." I don't care. I'm not eating them. You're they tweeted us about they, deviled they, eggs. They, they, probably they, not going to. They respond. smell. They're bad. I think if you're going to bring food to a tailgate, I would bring a thousand different things before deviled eggs. All right. Okay. Next one. Yeah. I have no strong opinions on deviled eggs right now. <laughs> Number six mistake you can make at a tailgate. Uh, I'm going to go with sitting on the cooler. And this is not to disparage anyone who's done that before. But, of course, if you're someone who has trouble, you know, either you just don't like it or you actually have physical trouble doing this, getting up like time and again, don't sit on the cooler. Like everyone's going to go Isn't in that there. like a Lowe's commercial that's out right now where you sit on the deck and the guy goes to get his uh, – in his cooler? I don't think I've seen it. That's probably where you picked this up. Is it on the uh, – is it on Fox or FS1? Because it's pretty much had my entire attention <laughs> yeah, the last week or two. I think it is, yeah. For the World Cup. But you know what I mean. Like yeah. – no, not everyone's going to have a chair. That's fine. Right. I mean, there's a lot of standing at our tailgate, so I don't think the cooler is a huge issue. And plus, my dad brings 40 of them, so you know you can pick which cooler you want to sit on. Shout out, pops. Does an excellent job. None of these mistakes are at all anything that he he's a pro. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Well, he's a pro. I think I, I imagine him listening to this, just going like, "People do that." Like, you know, maybe when he first started, some he's taking note. He, he got up the grills the other day. Um, oh, good. Home because they're redoing their deck, and you know, he didn't want to get his his big grill out, so he got one of his tailgate ones out. Got a little off season work in. So, nice. yeah. Number five mistake. Okay. Uh, don't offer to bring anything, but then eat everything in sight. Yeah, I'm, it's rude. It is rude. I'm sorry. I'm reading these right now and just thinking, okay, how much time are we going to get out of these? Um, but yeah, you're right. Don't do it. Be, it's it's kind of you know life mistake that you should avoid. Okay. The tailgate especially. Number four. This is dedicated to you, my friend. <laughs> Don't get snobby. Or the mistake is getting snobby about beer. I feel attacked. Well, no, I bring, I bring my own. I bring my own. So I don't try and get snobby about it. And this isn't to say don't drink good beer, don't discuss it or share it. I have fun drinking beer. But like the whole like you're having Bud Light. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's right. a tailgate. Shout out to your parents for bringing me Hetty Topper last year. That was great. Yeah. They didn't bring me any. So glad right. someone enjoyed it. What's next? Number three, parking beside the porta potties. This is a we, matter of contention. You had near the porta potties, which you want to be near the porta potties. Yeah, yeah, that. that's fair. Yeah. But this is kind of self explanatory. It's a smell issue. It's a lots of traffic issue. It's just inviting a lot of mess that you don't really want to have next to your food and your drink and your good times. Okay. Number two. Don't be a dick to the opposing fans. Yeah. It's fun to say you suck. It's fun to say you're going to lose. Why are you here? Blah, blah, blah. But like you go down south, 
you know, you have strangers walking by and opposing jerseys. It doesn't happen all the time in all games. But for the most part, much more friendly there were environment. down south. There were yeah. polo shirts. Well, you know, yeah. but either way, you're getting food extended to you by the hometown fans. It's a healthy environment, I think, up here for opposing fans, perhaps save for Pitt. But overall, as much fun as you might think it is, I don't think this extends to most people. Just don't be a dick to the opposing fans. You're listening, fans. probably not. I mean, yeah. yeah. We, 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 everyone can have a good time. Game hasn't started yet. Yeah. Number one, uh, I've never been this guy. I, I'm not sure if you've been this guy. Or not. No. Guy too drunk to get to the stadium. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe that's, it depends that's on the, the number one mistake you can make, right? Like, yeah. you know, some games you might purposely stay outside, but if you have a ticket that you paid for and you get that loaded, like. There's, this is going to happen at Pitt this year. Not not to us. This is going to happen to yeah, Pitt. Yeah, 8 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. Whiteout games everywhere. Well, people are asking me about tickets, and I can't get anybody tickets, so don't ask. But, I mean, it's going to happen. There's going to be people that can't go into the 8 o'clock kickoff because they're there all day. So. Yeah, I mean, especially when the whiteout games are, are at night, you're really talking more blackout games outside of the stadium. Uh, is this why we're doing the segment, just to get that line in? Yeah, it took me uh, too long, but we finally got there. All don't right. be that guy. Number one stake when you tailgate is you get too loaded and don't make it. Speaking of whiteouts, the whiteout camp at Penn State this week as we get back to uh, you know actual stuff. Um, it was a good camp. Probably the best camp of the summer so far. Um, a lot of quality 2019, 2020, 2021. Um, some Penn State commits worked out. Really impressed with Caden Wallace, uh, the offensive line commit. He'll go down to the opening this week along with a number of, uh, of Penn State targets and a couple other commits. Um, just really impressed with him. I mean, he's a, he's a guard, I think, all the way. Probably could t- could play tackle, but he's a guard all the way. Um, I think he's going to be a good one at Penn State. Uh, he showed some good things the other day. He moves very well. I think the biggest thing about him is, you know, he was up to probably 325 or so, but he's cut some weight. He looks uh, markedly better than he did six even six months ago. So uh, the improvement that he's shown is good. Jaquan Brisker was there. It's the first time I've gotten to see him play football in person since team camp in like 2015 or 2016. Um, so I uh, was impressed with him. Not sure how much you can take away from that camp considering he is a junior college guy. Um, junior college guys can work out at camp now, by the way. Um, but, yeah, he was getting pick after pick um, just all over the place. Just so much range, great size, runs pretty well. Um, so was impressed by Jaquan Brisker, you know, despite uh, – taking into account the setting that he was in. We mentioned Austin Johnson was there, was one of, I don't know, a dozen-plus alumni there, notable former players. Yeah, Penn State brought some uh, alumni back, some lettermen back to, you know, not only, you know, attend the camp, talk to the coaches and all that stuff, but also talk to the kids. They brought them in for a barbecue later, um, talk to them about Penn State, what it meant to be a letterman, what, uh, you know, what they've seen about the program. And, you know, I think that's a, a big step that the lettermen have taken the last couple of years. I, not, not so much a letterman, but James Franklin and the lettermen have come closer together over the couple of years. Right. Winning helps, obviously, but I think they've both made an effort to to sort of get a little bit closer because, you know, with, with the history that Penn State has and its football program, I mean, it's just uh, there, there's a lot of, you know, not living in the past, but there's a lot of loyalty to the old guard. And, you know, James Franklin came in a little bit brash, a little bit, uh, you know, different than what New they age. expected. Yeah. It's very different. And it was, it was sort of a clashing of styles. I think that's sort of come together. Um, Jack Ham was there. Mike Hall, Austin Johnson. Mark Tate was there who lives down in Tampa. Now he's got a kid that uh, camped at the uh, at the whiteout camp who's a 2019 linebacker not Penn State level but you know it's kind of cool to see those guys come back um but yeah, I just thought it was a really cool, you know, sort of outside the box thing. And I know a lot of schools have these guys talk or have 
former players talk to their people, but you know, it's it's a cool thing when you can see an NFL Hall of Famer like Jack Jack Ham come out and tell you, you know, why Penn State was was special to him, and and it sort of uh, you know it bridges a lot of different sort of generations for right. for players. So you got the, the recent guys like Hall and Johnson, you got the older guys, and then the Kenny Jackson was there. Of course, Terry Smith's always here, and Justin King's there, and you know, shout out to Andrew Goodman who was there as well, who worked his way into the photo. He's a former Letterman, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, good camp. Uh, I look at the young guys, Kyle McCord, 2021 quarterback from Philly told me afterwards, you know, Penn state offered him and, uh, top of, yeah, the, list. Top of the list. I mean, that's, uh, that's saying something McCord was up for the, with the prior week for the team camp. He looked, he looked pretty good. He looked a little tired when I saw him, but he was really sharp on, on Saturday. So was impressed with him. He's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the country in, in 2021. I guess he'll probably start this year for his high school team, which he didn't really last year, but St. Joe's prep obviously is, is always has a, you know, a quality program down there. Evan Pryor, another 2021 running back from, uh, from North Carolina. He's a, he's a really good player. Penn state got in on him early. Sister goes to Penn state. So he's going to be up here fairly regularly. So I'd say get to know that name because Penn state's going to have a shot at him down the road. And um, last week we talked about getting Adisa Isaac back on campus and we were sort of speculating with before the dead period, you wanted to get some momentum with your defensive line with some other guys possibly looking elsewhere. Adisa Isaac, if you're looking at uh, probably realistic defensive end targets, uh, he's all over the map in terms of ratings. I think ESPN has him as a top 25 or top 30 prospect all, you know, all together. We have him as a four star, but just a raw upside is tremendous. He moved very well at the camp. So was impressed by him. And then of course, uh, the 2020, uh, the 2020 group was probably the, uh, I guess the centerpiece of that. Um, St. John's college brought a bunch of guys. I mean, they traveled on their own. They didn't bring a, a, a bus or anything like they did last year, but Rakim Jarrett, Mikhail Sherman, Trey Williams, uh, just so many of those guys that, uh, you know, can be impact players and Penn state's in on them early. Penn state hasn't had a ton of, uh, success at St. John's college. Uh, Raphael check is a, a walk on kicker that they added last year, but for the most part, they've kind of been shut out there. They've gone after a few guys. Uh, but yeah, uh, getting Sherman back. This is his second visit this spring. Trey Williams, second visit this spring where Kim Jarrett's been on campus a few times. Uh, that's a good start with those guys. So, it is? Yeah. Not much happening. Uh, otherwise, it's the dead period. So coaches are on vacation. You can't host recruits until uh, later in July. Penn State will come back with the lash bash at the end of July. We'll talk a little bit more about recruiting probably in the next week or so. I think we're going to get Steve, Steve Wilfong, Brian Doan or something in here to talk a little bit more recruiting uh, during the dead period. But uh, I think that's what we got. No, we're going back to you. Michigan State week on site. The last week of these breakdowns where we've you know looked at um, Penn State's first six opponents, you know, statistically from last year, how they've been going in spring ball, how they'll match up with Penn State. Michigan State, to me, is the most interesting among them because I think partly it's being overlooked. And it's understandable. Right. It's the game of the first six opponents that is the furthest away, being the 6-1. But Penn State, regardless of the outcome against Ohio State, will have a significant moment in season coming off the bye week and at home against an opponent that, of course, robbed them of a college football playoff berth a year ago. Right. Now, that team also happens to be returning 19 starters. They're good. They're, they've got a veteran quarterback now, a great stable of wideouts, a strong running game, a defense that is everything you, you come to expect from a top two your Michigan State defense. So I think the extra week of preparation will help. Um, But again, so much hinges on this game in my mind because, again, it's a little bit later in the year. It's a quality opponent. And then you got to go on this run, you know, with it'll be Indiana after that, Iowa, 
Michigan, Wisconsin, but but it starts here because right. you could either look at okay, they're six and zero halfway through the season, five and one seems about right to me, but also potentially four and two, and then four and two off of probably two losses at that point going into that just rigorous stretch. Yeah, that's it. it this is a huge moment in the year. Yeah. And I think you mentioned last week, this is probably more crucial than the, Ohio, than the Ohio State game. I mean, it's just one of those things where the closer you get to that playoff, the, the more games are going to mean, the more games are going to matter. And, you know, you're bridging that gap. Of course, you got Rutgers and Maryland at the end, but you're bridging that gap with Wisconsin and Michigan and Iowa and things like that. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a very, very important game. I don't think that's, you know, that's not breaking news or anything like that, but after what happened last year, I mean, anything can really happen just based off the years before. I mean, it was a Michigan State blowout. It was a Penn State blowout. It was a Michigan State rain delay win. And yeah, it's just crazy. And I think it, it's safe to say Michigan State will be better. Yeah. Now this game is in Happy Valley. Penn State will be coming I think that's the tipping point. Right but there. at this point, yeah. I think you would say probably in week seven when this game will happen – Penn State will be worse than it was last year in Week 7, which is just a function of a young team replacing a lot of veteran starters, which doesn't say they can't win or shouldn't be favored. But I think the dynamics here, each of those are probably underrated from an offseason standpoint where you go, ah, they'll find a linebacker, safeties will be fine. It's like this is a veteran, well-rounded, well-coached team that's really kind of – you know, done and dominated the series since Mark D'Antonio arrived and had that program resurgence. Yeah. State's beaten them once since 2010. Yeah, outside that three and nine season, which obviously looks like an outlier right yeah. now. I mean, there, there's really no you know highs, extreme highs and lows with Michigan State. They went to the playoff that year. They got stomped, right? Yeah, it was kind of like a low scoring stomping. But I mean, Alabama had a low scoring stomping. But yes. yeah, you know, as one does. And yes. well, we talked about this before. Thirty three to fourteen last year with Pitt yeah. is not how that game felt. Right, right. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those teams. I think you can almost guarantee what you're going to see, and it's the same formula over and over again. And I think returning nineteen starters, um, you know, despite the problems that they've had off the field, returning nineteen starters. I mean, it, can, it really. I mean, that's the way it goes. Yeah. And that formula with Michigan State, obviously, it usually starts with defense. I think they're a little bit better this year. Um, you know, good last year, but I think the, they've improved in a couple different areas. Yeah, they're strong front to back. I think the pass rush will be better. You know, linebackers are always, again, very. you can tell they're just very well coached. Uh, secondary is going to be a bit handsy. It's physical. they got that base quarter scheme. New defensive coordinator in there as well as a new defensive line coach. But, you know, they're not going to change so much. Again, you reference the formula. Like, it's a trickle down. You know, we're going to hire guys who fit our system versus bringing their own schemes. And you give it credit to them. You know, sometimes, of course, you can be taken advantage of as seen in Alabama, which, you know, this was years ago and this is too simplistic. But, you know, some of their RPO game really give Michigan State problems. But, you know, they can adjust and it's really the last one to hold chalk when you talk scheme. And for them, you know, they've been able to surrender big games like Trace McSorley had 381 yards and three touchdowns, but only give up 24 points. Mm -hmm. So that matchup for me where, you know, their secondary ought to be stronger as well as their pass rush when Penn State, you know, shoot up a stronger offensive line. But we were just talking about the wideouts and all the questions those potentially could bring. Um, might just decide this game and could come down game tied or Penn State trailing and they have to go 80 yards. Yeah. The Michigan State, I think the, the thing to me about Michigan State is you look at them and they always have that same formula, the solid defense, the good running game, and a solid quarterback. I think Brian Lewerke is better than solid. I mean, yeah. he's, he's top of the Big Ten. I mean, I don't think he's there with Trace, but he's, he's in the conversation for, you know, all Big Ten as a quarterback. And, you know, that, that makes a big difference when you're talking about taking a team that's that's really good to taking them to, a, to, to, to the next level. I think they're a Big Ten uh, title contender right now. Yeah, 400 yards for him against Penn State a year ago. He and Amazing. They yeah. brought everything from a blitz standpoint. I mean, emptied out their package and just, you know, I wish I could have that phrase back. Yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, but you we're know, keeping through, that in there. Yeah. You know, through the kitchen sink, as they say, uh, Adam, and you know, he did well. And a lot of it was just, you know, you're this close, or you just missed that, you know, strip from behind. Like it just, but it added up, and and they got the win. Our short thirty minute episode is now at forty two minutes, uh, so we'll get it in the mailbag uh, quick. Building off the tailgate thing, best tailgate breakfast items. Beer. <laughs> like I don't know. Part of the tailgate fun for me is is having food and drinks that you normally save later in the day. Yeah. But because there's football, we get to do whatever we want. So I like to jump into that anarchy when it comes to uh, food and just enjoy. Best breakfast food is beer. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, Bloody Marys want... and bacon uh, for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I know not a lot of people are Bloody Mary guys, but. Uh, John that comes to our tailgate makes a fantastic Bloody Mary. So, all right, next one. Other than strength and conditioning, this was a, this was a longer question on the yeah. site. Uh, other than strength and conditioning, how is Penn State a developmental program, which is something they've preached for the last uh, two years or so? Right. This is this is a staple when you when you hear uh, James speak about the program from a big picture standpoint, what they want to be, what they are, what they pride themselves in, and the person who asked the question tied it back to Kansas State and whether or not you know you, that's a program. You you know, always taking in two and three stars, they end up being competitive. Is there something James and Ricky Ronnie took from their days there? That I can't speak specifically to. I'd imagine there's one or two things they did. But when Penn State says it's a developmental program and that they're different in that way, part of it is them selling, hey, we'll not only make your kids better players, but better people. That part I'm not going to speak to, can't vouch for. But what I will say is that you can tell they make an extra effort to get reserves playing time, have them play on a rotational basis where in the fifth drive, so-and-so is going to play, and they have enough confidence in their guys to take those reps and perform, even if it's a limited basis where you're not just rolling out the ones and twos. So you see it on game day. I think you see and hear and you know are able to, um, regardless of whether you're at practice or even on, on the field, know that the reserves are also getting the same amount of attention in practice as the starters, you know, it's an amount of energy and focus and detail, which is really important because, of course, those reserves some days are going to be starters or backups. So you, you see it on game day if you're paying attention close enough. You know it in the practice field. And again, there's some different programs they'll have them engage with their speakers coming in. So they're selling it as kind of, you know, all around student athlete, et cetera. I'd say you can even throw that out the window and just say from a football standpoint, you know, they develop them early by affording them opportunities that I don't think you see in every other program. Yeah, and let's not get too deep into this. It's a recruiting pitch. I mean, you're, you're yeah. talking about the doing more with less, and they've done that over the last couple of years, uh, you know, putting back-to-back to, back to back 11-win seasons together with, you know, good recruiting classes, uh, what they had coming in and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, it's uh, I, I think that's the biggest thing is, hey – you know, it doesn't matter. You know, you're not pulling in the Ohio State class, and they're very aware of where Ohio State is, where uh, Alabama is, and things like that. And recruiting, and they know that they're a notch above Penn State right now. Um, but I mean, it's it, it's making the most of that situation. I mean, we we talk about developing guys, and you know, Saquon is what he is, Mike Kosicki is what he is. But you know, you're 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 throwing Troy Atkey out there, you know, mid three star, high three star in 24 seven sports. Uh, you're throwing Christian Campbell out there, who was pretty much forgotten about by a lot of the school. Yeah. down south, uh, mid, mid to high three-star with us as well. Um, so I think that that's where the development comes in. We, we talked uh, earlier this year about how much recruiting you can do based off that combine. And hey, I mean, that's, that's one thing that, that uh, you know, some recruits have mentioned to me is, hey, they're going to they're gonna bring me in. They're going to develop my skills because, you know, we're looking to get to the league. I think Cardell Thomas was the guy that, uh, you know, the five-star kid from the LSU, LSU. from uh, Louisiana said, hey, They've done some great things with the combine. I mean, that kid's in Louisiana. He's hearing about it, so obviously he's hearing about it from Penn State coach. 
coaches. Right. And that's also them selling themselves. So like we are better at this coaching thing and there's than results everybody there too. else. I mean, it's yeah, just, it's that's not, really what it is. It's the hands on, the teaching. That's what your job is, right. is to teach and develop. So they're saying we're better at that yeah. than everybody else. All right, last one, and teased this way earlier. I really just spoiled it. Um, you have to deploy an eleven-person starting lineup for the World Cup. We've got World Cup fever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I know a lot. A lot of people following football don't like soccer on principle, but this is a fun event, even without the U.S. in it. So, who is filling out your starting lineup if you're picking from Penn State's roster to go compete on the pitch? All right, I'm running a four-four-two up top. Jake Pinniger, um, obviously, he's got a soccer background as a kicker, and Jason Awe. He's so athletic. I don't know what he's going to do. I think he's played a little soccer in his background. Um, so I'm going to put him up top. Okay. Um, just do your whole team. My whole team? Yeah. All right, great. I um, feel like the fish out of water here when you're talking scheme, and I'm not as well-versed in that. All right. Well, I'm going to put uh, in my midfield, Blake Gillikin, also a soccer background, just kicks the hell out of the ball, obviously. Trace McSorley is my, my guy. I mean, he's got the armband. Uh, he's going to be – Gamer. Yeah, he's got Wayne Rooney's hairstyle as well. Could be beach um, volleyball or chess. Yeah. Just a he's gamer. your guy. I put Trace McSorley and Nick Scott in the middle. Zach McPherson on the other side, baseball player. I think he can play soccer too. He's, he can run. So uh, put him on the wing, see what he can – Cross, um, Shaka Tony is in the my is in my back four. Ryan Buckholz, of course, is in my back four because you're not getting around him. He's a big dude. He's also a good potential. Bouncer. John Reed's the heady center back that you want, and Joe Dumond. I'm not sure why I added him in there, but there's always that one guy that's got you know the hairstyle or the facial hair. Joe Dumond's mustache is fantastic. He's earned a, play, a place as my uh, left back, and Amani Ariwari in goal. I, I know you had probably my first choice in goal because you sent these to me earlier, but Amani always seems to be where the ball is. Maybe even if he's not supposed to be there, he leads the team in picks over the last couple of seasons. So we're going to put him in goal. Okay. Yeah, so I texted you these uh, yesterday, exactly 24 hours ago. Oh, wow. You were just curious, and I said, all right, well, here we go. I don't have a midfield or a uh, – Not soccer. Top. Not soccer. Not, not soccer. Yeah. So here are my 11. Uh, KJ Hamler. I like him. Flashy flashy striker right there. Blake Gillikin. Jake Pinniger. Okay. Uh, John Reed. He might even just be the coach for all I care. Like him probably could. Um, Mark Allen, I think quick feet is going to be a really good asset, you know, kicking the soccer ball. Yeah. Uh, Matt Kippenhammer, already proven himself to be a two-sport athlete. Like, Mc, uh, like McPherson. Yeah. Let's just add a third. Then we've got Nick Scott, heady guys, maybe the best athlete, pure athlete on the team. Right. You're looking at Miles Sanders, DeAndre Tompkins, good speed, power for the both of them, footwork. Right. Uh, wrap up with Brandon Polk. And Juwan Johnson at goal, who I think is just a total package. Six so four yeah. is you know can snag anything. He's fast. He's you know I think he's the perfect goalie. Yeah, that was the first guy I thought to or I thought about when I started doing this. I but. could tell by your first text response of "Damn it, <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> ace in the hole." Uh, I mean, I, that's often how I respond to you. But yeah, anyway, we're almost at fifty minutes here, so I think it's time to get going. Uh, I'm not sure when we'll be back. Probably pretty soon. Well, no, we know it's going to be next week. Next week, All maybe right. an episode or two. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, big plans. Um, it'll be fun. I, we we have a couple ideas that I've had brewing for a while, and I think we'll have. You mentioned Steve as a potential guest. I would look for maybe upwards of six guests in a single episode coming up. Wow, you're not going to be there, so yeah, that's probably true. We'll have some fun regardless without you, and uh, hopefully, it does just as good of a job as I think we've done the last few episodes. This has been the Lions 24/7 podcast, following up on our what we what some have called our best episode ever. Yeah, it's probably a step back this week, but yeah, B plus is fine. We'll take what we can get. So, cool. all right, uh, check us out on iTunes, uh, Google Play, all over the place, and uh, of course, uh, continue to get those questions in for the. Uh, mailbag happy world cup see you next week
Jeezy and the money. I make them bad bitches say thank you, baby. You're welcome.